0: I'm going to talk to you today for a few things on generosity and and giving, and and uh, there are many ways that we contribute and, and we show generosity in our life, as Pastor Danny was sharing last week, and whether you help somebody on a street corner, someone that's holding up a sign that says need food or will work for food or, or just need a handout, whether it's through the avenue of a stoplight or whether you're in a grocery store line and and you see someone that has to put back about three or four items, you've seen it, I've seen it, and they go, because they just don't have enough money, and you just go, hey, listen, just put it on mine, and I've done that, and you've done that, and we show generosity from different ways, and whether it's we support local uh, missions or foreign missions, and, and then you'll see on Thursday when the Dallas Cowboys beat the team that they're playing. I think it's the Giants. Is it the Giants? I don't know. It is, it, the Eagles, oh, Lord, I didn't know that. Um, anyway, when, when the Cowboys win on Thursday, you'll see this big red kettle you know, and it's the one that Zeke jumped in a few years back and that kettle represents the Salvation Army. So we know that generosity isn't just contained to Christian faith. There's generosity all around us. But I want just for a few moments, and I'm not going to keep you long, but I just want to talk to you about the giving to your local church. And for some, this will be a reminder. For some, it'll be like, I, you know, I get it. But for others, this will be brand new. And in either way, I think we can all extract some truth from it today that will help us. So it's about giving of your tithes and your offering to church. And we see in Malachi 3, it reads this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I want to continue talking about the blessed life but a subtitle called the blessed test, the blessed test. Father, thank you for this great day. Thank you, Father, for us Being a part of this life change that we saw through baptism. And thank you, Father, for your presence that we feel. And God, I pray for the next few moments that you'll help me. Just use me, God, as as I as I lead this service, as I lead this church in this conversation that will help us grow individually and help us grow as a church. And we thank you, Father, for what you are doing. Holy Spirit, you know how I do it? I can't do it without you. Speak through me. It's not my intent, it's your intent through me. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for the blessed test? Come on, look at look, the other person that was your second choice and they're a little bit salty. Say, are you ready for the blessed test? Come on, say it like a preacher. Say, are you ready for the blessed test? <laughs> Every week, for as long as I can remember, Holly and I are faced with a test. Every week, as long as I can remember, it doesn't matter how stressed our week is. It didn't matter when our girls um, were younger. It didn't matter what was going on in their world. It didn't matter if I had a flat on the car. It didn't matter if I had to get a new battery. It didn't matter if I had you know problems with the house or if the refrigerator went out. It didn't matter what happened. Every week we were faced with the test and it was the same test every week every week it was the same test and for us the test would always come on Thursdays it was a Thursday test for us and and it, and no one was ever there to help us with the test there was really no phone call that i could make for the test, there was nothing that I could do to really get somebody to help me to talk me through it. It was just a test that every day or every Thursday that we would have to endure. Much like I don't know how it was when you guys were growing up in, in school, but for us before they had all of the tablets and the computers, when we take it, when we would take a test, it would be paper. Everybody know what paper is, right? And so it was paper. And on test day, you knew. You walked in on test days in the morning, and the atmosphere was just different. It just felt a little heavier a little bit more stoic the teacher you could tell was already there and you would get to your desk and the paper would be turned upside down already on your desk you just look across a sea of desks, and there was just the paper it's the test so you'd make sure you would have your pencils, you'd have your pencils sharpened, and you would have all of these things ready. And then the teacher would go, okay, it's time to begin. And then you would turn the page over, and you're like, it's go time. There ain't there ain't no question. It's it's now or never. It's the test. Every Thursday for us, it was like us turning the page over, and it would and it was the test, and it would have one question on it. The question would be this. Are you going to give your 10% tithe to the Lord and the church this week? Every week was that test. Now, for some of you, it may be every week. For some of you, it may be the first and the 15th. For some, it may be once a month. For, for whatever the case is, we know that if there's income coming in your life, as a Christian believer connected to the local church, we turn that page over and we have that question glaring back at us because it's, it's important that we understand the responsibility. So we know the question for us, for us, for Holly and me was this. Are we going to honor God with our giving? Because Malachi tells us that when we bring the tithes into the storehouse, there may be food in my house. And it says, God says something crazy. He says, test me in this. Right. Test me In this. And he says, listen, you get to test me. I've got, God is saying that I'm going to sit in the desk and I'm going to turn the page over. And the question that God's going to say is I, am I going to bless them? It's, it's a little weird, but before God takes the test, we got to take the test. Because in order for us to understand the blessed test, to be able to unlock the power of Malachi 3, because Malachi 3, if you look back, is the last book of the Old Testament. And it was in a season where God wasn't speaking. So there was something significant that was setting up the New Testament that Malachi was speaking concerning giving. And he says, listen, God says, you get to test me. But before the blessed test is taken, we have to win the battle of a prioritized heart as it pertains to money. Everybody say money. Money. Come on, come on. You can say it as confidently in church as you do out of church. Everybody say money. Money Money and things are often the number one competitor for our hearts. I think we all can agree with that. Money and things are often the number one competitor of our hearts because money will promise you security and if you have more, you think you'll be more secure it'll it'll promise you freedom and if you have more money you'll be more free and it promises you power and you think well if i have more of it i'll have more power more significance i'll be more important you can sit here and you can make the list you can make your list i can make my list but how many knows that money cannot do all those things There's something about us being a child of God. There's something about being a Christ follower that positions us to have a different viewpoint as it pertains to money. Because Ecclesiastes tells us that whoever loves money never has enough money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. So it it tells us that there is a perspective that Christ's followers have got to get into. There's a test, a blessed test, that, that Christ's followers have to take and have to pass. What is the tithe? For some, this will be elementary. For others, this will be brand new. What is the tithe? The very word tithe means tenth, T-E-N-T-H, 10%. It is a word that was established in the Old Testament. You go all the way to the book of Genesis where we first see the word tithe, where Abraham is returning from battle. At that time, he's Abram, where he's returning from battle and he recovers goods and possessions from the battle. And a king and a priest named Melchizedek blesses Abram with wine after the battle. And Abraham does something crazy. He responds by giving a tenth. A tithe, 10% of all of the goods that came into his life. We even go on and look in the Old Testament where Moses, he calls the tithe holy. And Moses, when leading the children of Israel out of bondage, where he, he teaches them to redeem what is the Lord's, and in Leviticus 27th chapter, he says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. And, it, and he could have stopped there, but he goes, it is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. You look at the story of Cain and Abel. It shows us that it is holy, but it also gives an order. In Genesis, we see not just the word tithe, but we see the word now, the word portion. There's a portion, and Cain and Abel brought portions of their flocks, portion of their crops, to the Lord. And we notice the order in which it is given. Now, Abel kept the flocks, he says in Genesis 4, and Cain worked the soil. So we know that he takes care, Abel's taking care of the animals, Cain is taking care of the ground. And Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering of the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. But on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. It lets us know that there's something significant about the word first, because Proverbs, the third chapter says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of your produce. And then it says this in Nehemiah, the 10th chapter, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree year by year. And then Exodus, the 23rd chapter, it's on the screen. It says the best of the first fruits of your ground, you shall bring into the house of the lord your god so we see something significant about the word first it takes faith to give to god first if we give what is left over it really doesn't take any faith at all there's something about first it's something about getting to your thursday for us turning the page over and answering the question that has That has shown up every week on Thursdays for as long as I can remember. Are you going to give of your tithe and offering to the church? And before you sort out all of the stuff you're going to do, are you going to do it first? I'm just reading the word to you today. Because it says it just it wasn't just fruit. And crops, but as we read earlier, it's always, it's also the firstborn because in Exodus the 13th chapter, God says, Consecrate every firstborn male to me. The firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal, God says, It is mine. Something about first that God is interested in. So all of the firstborn. And oldest siblings say, Yeah, I'm first. And you can just say, I know that's right. I know that's right. Or if you're an only child, I know that's right. I'm the first. God favors me. You can just "I'm I'm a second born, whatever. <laughs> but the blessed test isn't just the amount, the blessed test is understanding the order in which we give. But it's not just the order. The blessed test is understanding not only the order, but the owner, right. yeah. the owner. And this is what gets me all the time. I feel like I work hard to make a living. I try to work as hard as I can for the church. I try to do everything I can to be faithful and to do all the stuff that I can to take care of the needs. And I always wrestle with thinking it's my money. It's because it's just the instinct that all of my hard work warrants this income because I put up with a lot of stress this week. Or maybe you were dealing with something. on You have to put up with your boss. You have to put up with all this stuff. You, you deal with all this and you have this feeling like this is mine. But we learn in the word that it's not yours. It's not mine. Because it's about understanding who the owner is. Because tithe, the 10%, the first, it's, it's when we tithe. God never uses the word give, but he uses the word bring. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Why is this significant? Because you can't give what you don't own. You can't give what you don't own. So when we return the tithe, when we return the first, we're really just giving it back to him. And that's the shift that a lot of us have a hard time with. Me too. Me too. There's sometimes I'm like, no, 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 but I worked hard. But when you have to understand that the resources that come into my life is all because of the goodness and the faithfulness of a really, really good God. Can anybody testify that he's been good to you? I know, I know. You may be dealing with some debt. I know you got that car that's, that's kind of acting a little hoopty right now. I understand there's needs. But when you understand that we live and you live in a situation and in a society where God living in this country, God has been good to us. Let's just tell the truth. He's been good to us. So you have two choices. You can bring it back or you can keep it what is his for yourself. Every Thursday, we got to take that test. Holly and me got to take that test. That's our blessed test. That's Old Testament. What about Jesus? There's a, there's a, there's a movement right now that We don't need to listen or look at the Old Testament as it pertains to giving. That's a thing now. To where it's like, well, does it doesn't mean that we should have to give 10%. doesn't it mean it, And there's been plenty. How many knows that the, the Bible says that, that Jesus didn't come and we read it. Jesus did not come in Matthew 5. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law of the Old Testament, but I came to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. So don't allow yourself to try to get caught up in this trend that the Old Testament is not relevant to your life. Can I I say that again to you don't allow yourself to think that the word of God that has held true all these years is going to fall apart in 2022 you don't allow the enemy and don't allow outside influences to make you think this has nothing to do about you giving to this church this is free for you don't allow you have to believe the truth of God's word in its entirety can I get an amen in its entirety. So because Jesus says, listen, I didn't come to say that all that stuff in the Old Testament wasn't any good. I'm actually here just to fulfill what the Old Testament said. So what does Jesus say about it? I'm just doing some teaching. In Matthew, he says this in the 23rd chapter. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He's talking to church people. You hypocrites, you give a 10th, there's a tithe, of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And he says this, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus sets it straight. He's basically speaking to balance. He says, What's happening is the Pharisees, they were all out of balance. They were just bringing tithe and ignoring the community. They were just like, bring, bring. They were so caught up in the tradition and the law of giving that Jesus says, whoa, 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 time out. You can't just come into the temple and say you, you, you are a believer in the law and a believer in, 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 in following God's orders over our life and just ignore the broken people around you. He said, you've got to bring the tithe so you can take the tithe to help the broken people around you. So Jesus speaks to it. In fact, Jesus taught about money and giving, and he was radical about it. He has a conversation with the rich young ruler, and he tells them this. And if you, if you have an argument between the Old Testament model of giving, it's probably better than Jesus' model of giving. Because he tells the rich young ruler in Mark, the 10th chapter, he goes, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions. Go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Because Jesus is like, listen, you're so caught up in trying to build your kingdom down here when I'm trying to get you to focus on the kingdom of heaven. Right, right, right. Go sell everything you have and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So how many knows that 10% ain't a bad deal? Right. <laughs> it's not a bad deal. Because Jesus is like, listen, just get rid of all of it. Just go sell it all. Y'all figure it out. Just pray, pray about it and I'll just get you a tent and set up somewhere. 10% all day, all day. So we, so we follow through, and then we land, and this is where I'm going to, to, to kind of lock everything in here today, is, is we land where Paul is teaching about the New Testament church. We are the New Testament church. And as the apostle Paul planted churches around the world, he spoke on the subject of giving, and his encouragements on giving moved beyond the tithe of giving. In fact, there are, there are four pieces to the New Testament giving that I want to just share with you. Number one is the test of generosity. Number two is the test of consistency. And number three is the, the test of joyfulness. And number four is the test of expectancy. And so I want to talk to you about the test of generosity. Pastor Danny preached a masterful message, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it was great. And if you didn't didn't hear it, go back and watch it. Your life will be touched. But as Paul encouraged the church in the city of Corinth, he shared how generous he was telling them a story about the Macedonian churches and the structure in which they were giving. And we find in 2 Corinthians, this is what Paul says. And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Paul's basically saying, listen, I want y'all to hear what that other church is doing. You know, in the church world, we do this. I you hear about that church. And and so Paul is saying, you need to hear about what the Macedonian church is doing. He goes, here's what they're doing in the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This is like in the middle of their crisis, they just become this generous church that begin to meet the needs of the people around them. He goes, for I testify, Paul saying, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And entirely on their own, entirely on their own. Paul's basically saying, listen, I didn't have to get up and even take an offering. And I thought, boy, that's freeing. That's a great place to be as a pastor, as a teacher, where you don't have to get up and say anything about it. He goes entirely on their own. There was, it was a stronger together moment. And, and here's the thing. We have to understand that generosity in our heart is winning over our mind. Listen, giving in the kingdom of God, being a, having a generous spirit, you have to understand it is never going to make sense to your intellect. 18 inches between your heart and mind is what they say. And it's the biggest battle. It's always war in each other. I feel like I need to, but this doesn't make sense. I feel like I should, but I can't. And and it's understanding that you win the battle of your mind as it pertains to generosity. Now, within reason, I I mean, you don't want to be foolish You want to make sure that you're not putting your family in a crisis. But when you know that you are withholding what can release a generous spirit in you, it's because your mind is winning while you're trying to silence your heart. It happens to us all. But you want to be wise about it. Because Pastor Danny used to say all all this time, it's like, listen, I'm just going to write a faith check. Pastor you say, well, the bank calls that a hot check. (laughs) Uh, you know you want to be wise and we got wise people in this room it's not about being foolish but it's about making sure it's a god i know my mind is saying this but oh god what is my heart telling me to do and that's what releases the spirit of generosity that's what allows us to take the blessed test and the first question be about generosity number two is the test of consistency It's a declaration that God is first in our lives before everything else. In order for this declaration to be effective, one has to give consistently. Paul has more to say about this. First Corinthians, the 16th chapter, he says this, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Now about the offering is what he's saying. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So Paul's visiting all these churches and he's seeing this this generous spirit pop up. So Paul's trying to pull the whole body of Christ together and he's saying, listen, listen how they're doing it. He goes, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, No collections have to be made. See, Paul was tired of taking offerings. Two two verses, he already says, listen, I want to build this thing to where there doesn't have to be this offering plea. Ugh, it's awful. Come on, you can do it. Put God first. I mean, you know, as pastors... And, and Mr. Brandon's a former pastor. He'll tell you, as pastors, it's like, what else can we say? You know? And so there's this generosity that came from the, the first generation church. And says, listen, and Paul's like, listen, there's a goal here. The goal here is that we can begin to operate, but it starts with passing the blessed test of consistency. The people were encouraged to set aside an amount to give each week, a general principle to encourage consistent giving. But here's something that's very interesting. Paul also makes a distinction in this verse, and, and he says that by the giving, it should be in keeping with his income. It basically says, listen, for those that have lower income, shouldn't have to pull the load. Right. But those that have higher income need to make sure that you're pulling the load. Right. It's with keeping your income. Why is that important? That's why we go all the way back to the Old Testament. And when the Genesis model of the tithe, the 10th, makes sense. Right. It makes sense because then it's, it's easier for everybody. Right. It keeps it within the income. Everybody good? Listen, I was prepared I wasn't going to get a lot of amens on this sermon. I'm just going to take a drink of water right now. But it, but it shows a consistency. Paul's teaching that giving isn't determined by affordability, but by dependability. He, he's teaching, so listen, it's not about affording it. Because it's a matter of keeping it within your income, but being dependable and consistent about it. Number three is this, the test of joyfulness. Everybody say joyfulness. And I believe that it's key that we we keep this in our hearts, that we have to be joyful givers. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, each one must give as he decided in his heart. That's where I said, well, I go. He didn't say decided in your mind because that mind will win every time. It's going to win every time. But he says, when you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a. All the churchy people say cheerful giver. He, he, He notes that giving should never be done so reluctantly or under compulsion. So in other words, Paul is saying, listen, it's not cool that I, Paul, would have to get up and try to like, you know, try to pull it out of you and try to make you feel guilty about it. Let me tell you, as long as I'm pastoring this church, I'm never going to make you feel guilty. That is not the will of God for you, nor is it the will of God for myself. And I think there's been abuse, not in this house. Thank God for the stewardship of Pastor Danny for many years. But there's been abuse in, in, in the kingdom of God over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years to where it has become, have y'all been to those services where they take like 17 offerings, you know, it's like, well, we just need 73 more dollars. Come on in your brain. And you're like going do, pulling your pockets out. You'd like, baby, can you go look under the seat of the car and see if we got 23 cents? I mean, it's no, that's not the will of God. That is not the will of God. That is meaning that you that there is a pastor, there is a leader that is trying to manipulate you. And I ain't going to be that pastor. I'm not going to manipulate you. And the reason why is if you notice that we send out a giving letter and statement every quarter. And the reason I do that is so you can see what we've done with the money that you're contributing to the kingdom. And, and I do that because it's my responsibility to be accountable to you as the giver. So it's not under compulsion. So, so Paul is basically saying, listen, you should never be under compulsion or you shouldn't have to feel, if you feel reluctant, it shouldn't be because Paul is saying because of, of me. So he notes this. He says, listen, you need to understand and I'm telling you this. If you are reluctant to give, you may need to check your heart and say, why am I hesitant about it? Is there something that God is wanting to grow inside of me to be a consistent, joyful giver? So if you are reluctant, you need to check your heart. But if you're under compulsion or pressure, I need to check my heart. And if we all check our hearts together, guess what? Woo! The kingdom of God soars. The kingdom of God continues to move forward. So the joyful giver understands that this earth is not everything. This is why Jesus said, don't store up in, 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 in earth treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in. He says, listen, we're doing kingdom work here. We're, doing, we're trying to put souls into the kingdom. We're trying to put souls into the kingdom. We're trying to see that God is touching the lives of families that were far away from God. We're trying to make a different and, and because we're here, we're able to do that. Everybody good? My last one is the test of expectancy. Here's the good news. Second Corinthians, Paul says, Whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So it says the bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And, and God said, listen, test me, test me and see. And and God didn't even tell you what he was going to do. He, He didn't have to tell what he was going to do, but then he says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Test me and see if I will not throw open, will open up. The windows are the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. There's a there's a win for us. So it's just a matter of passing the blessed test. Now let me tell you what's not. I tell you what's not coming: an offering. They say, I ain't going to manipulate the sermon to try to tell you you need to give. I'm teaching you as a pastor of how to pass the blessed test of your life. And when you pass the individual blessed test on your Thursday or your Friday or your first and 15th or on your first of the month or however that blessed test looks like, what happens is, is it opens, as God tells us, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing let me just illustrate real quick, just real quick. Miss, Mrs. Erlene, come here, I'm going to use you as an illustration. How many people love Miss Erlene? Come on. She's a minister, come on up here. She's a minister in this church and she was just back there. I caught her, she was mopping up the wet ground from the baptism. You're an awesome woman of God. I love you and appreciate you. So it looks like this. I have, I have dimes, I'm going to count 10 in your hand. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you got ten dimes, and I'm gonna pay your bills for you. Okay. All right. So you got. Let's say you have a car payment. I don't know. Do you? Do you? Okay. You do. So there you go. You paid that. A couple of dimes for probably mortgage. You know. Um, you know. Eggs are expensive now. Oh yeah. What happened? We need to buy some chickens. Is what we need to do. Yeah, so we're going to put some couple of dimes for the for the groceries, and then you you know you married right, and you got to take them out to eat sometime. No, I cook. You cook. You cook. But you put you probably cook good food, don't you? Two dimes, and so so you take care of the needs, and Christmas is coming, and and all this, and so so. You, you take care of all the needs before and then you're left with the ten. And God's going, ah, oh, I, I see Zerlene faithful and I want to bless her. And I want, I want to, to put, just keep it closed. I, I, I want to just put something but it it's like it just keeps it keeps just rolling off And it's like so much blessing is hitting the ground that God intends for her. But because the order, if she, if she would have just said, okay, God, you first. And if she would have, if she would have opened up her hand and first said, okay, God, I'm not going to let my mind win. I'm going to let my heart win. And the spirit of generosity. And all of a sudden she doesn't have to live her life with closed hand of like, I got to hang on, but she can, she can open up her hand and then that's when it can come to where it's not room enough. Yeah. Then she's going to grab both hands and then she can just have this overflowing blessing in her, in her life. And, and it's, thank you so much. And it's just an example. She's going to keep 23 sins. She's already trying to clean up. She's like, I'm kind to of clean you. No, you're good. You're good. No, give her a hand. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. Just, just a little illustration. And I'm, I'm, I'm closing with this. And again, I hope you guys know my heart. This is my first tithing message ever. 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 I was like, Lord. Lord Jesus. And, but I hope you hear my heart, and because I want us to be a church. And next week, we're going to talk. We're going to look at the future. We're going to show you a video concept of the new building. We're going to look at together as a church, and, and it and it takes us with generous hearts, not not amounts, but generous hearts that allows us to step into the the future. There's a scripture I want to just read. And I want this to be a declaration for you. It says in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing in the ninth chapter. And if you have it, Ms. Carly and I want to put it on there. It says, you will be enriched. There it is. In every way. And I'm speaking this over you, but, but listen to what happens. You will be rich in every way to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, meaning the needs of us. It's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. He goes on and says, go ahead in the next screen. He goes by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Jesus and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. Next screen. And while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So this is what it says. If I kind of read that. It says this. When you Give, when you are generous, when you are allowing your heart to win over your mind, what's happening is God is giving thanks not from you, but through you. Because the difference that you make, there's somebody that you don't even know that is impacted by your contribution that is over in their apartment. Over, and they're throwing both, both hands, thank you, God. And it wasn't because of anything they did, but it was everything that you did. I'll give you an example. I want you to watch a quick video and don't leave, and I'm praying. A quick video, I will set it up. A quick video of, of I, I was at Starbucks, I was making a hospital call, and there was I was waiting, it was a little early, so I was just going to grab some coffee, and I ran into a lady. That was homeless and she was outside her name is Tomika and I it was raining it was cold and I walked into Starbucks I said can I get you something that's coffee something to eat and she says "Nah, I'm good I said well I'm going in here and if you think of something I'm coming back out in a little in a few minutes and you let me know so I come out she goes you know what I need she goes I need one of those personal shopping carts she took me to her cart she took me to her cart, and then all the wheels were, were gone. She was dragging her cart with her stuff, and, and she just needed just some fresh wheels. She just needed a new cart. And she goes, if you can help me. She goes, I, I don't need anything to eat. I'm good. I just, I just need to be able to get my stuff around. The rain is coming down. So setting up that, this is how this goes. I'll let you play that. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I'm closing. Here's here's where I'm going with this. I didn't know it at the time, but that scripture I just read, Paul's writing says, listen, when you're generous, somebody is going to give God praise because of it. So I didn't play the whole video because I didn't want to bore you with the whole thing. but, But before she prayed, for me, I was praying for her, you know, because that's what I'm supposed to do. God over here, just keep Tamika safe. Let her be safe out here, God. Just give her all the needs, you know, just prayed over her. And I didn't ask her to pray for me. She immediately jumped in and prayed that prayer. And she was able to, we put the cart together, and she was able to, um, to, to put her stuff in a new cart. And it was, it was small, $30 probably after it was all said and done. But the generosity, not this ain't a Kelly thing, this is a church thing, it's a pathway thing. The generosity played out what Paul was writing that somebody will give God glory. God will give glory. See, we think the glory is just in here. And we think the glory's just oh, gotta come from us. Oh, thank you, God, thank you. No, there's somebody with our generosity that is giving God the glory. Thursday it's Tuesday Tuesday right Randall Tuesday we're, we're going out and they're going to do Thanksgiving on the streets you know why we can do that because of your generosity because of your consistency your joyfulness your expectation your, your, your generous spirit of giving allows us to do it there's going to be somebody on Tuesday night giving God glory and isn't all this for that reason just for God to get the glory. Raise your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I love this church so much. I love these people so much. And God, this has no strings attached. This is nothing about helping me. or it's not. It, it's simply understanding that we are all faced with the test. And I just thank you that we are a church that will pass it. That will pass the test to see the blessing, the overflow, the dimes overflowing in our hand. But also, so God, we can see that somebody gets the glory, that you get the glory through us, and somebody will give you the glory. I thank you, Father, for what you are doing. Help us be great stewards of the things you bring into our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So um, I I want, if you have a need in your life or if you're here today and maybe you don't even know the Lord and you're like, I'm just wrestling with my faith. I I, I know this was a sermon that that was a very pastoral approach, but I want you to know you're not forgotten, nor are you ignored. And if you have a need in your life or you just need prayer, our ministers are going to position themselves up here. And as we continue in this spirit, as Tori continues to play or Tony or somebody good playing, we're going to open up the altar for you and know that today you can be free. You can be free from sin. You can be free from depression and frustration and sickness. Freedom is in the house today. So we thank you for that. In fact, God, I thank you for those that you're dealing with the hearts of someone. I pray, God, that you'll give them the courage to walk this way before they walk that way, to have somebody agree with them and and be able to get them freedom that they desire for it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.